0: How is mom doing? Well, you know, my, she seems to be doing a little bit better. But I got my mouth full of almond i now. Wait just a second. <laughs> My father died. A couple of weeks ago, my father died, and even as I'm speaking those words right now, it's still surreal and difficult for me to believe, but uh, it's true, okay? Um, My father is gone. And, um, I'm not going to talk about it too much today because a lot of the emotions and the thoughts that I have are, you know, still very much like, uh, uh, based in this layer of shock and sadness. And, um, I think that at, at a later time, I would probably be able to articulate my thoughts and my feelings a little bit better than I can right now. So instead of, you know, going on and on about how great my father was and how good of a friend he was to me and all the things that I could say right now, um, I'm not going to say anything like that right now. I'm going to wait. However, I will share with you right now um, a story that my father told me. Uh, the night before he died and he started out this story by saying to me, um, it is by giving that we receive. Okay. And that is a spiritual and religious philosophy in the religion that my father and I both share. Okay. Um, It is by giving that we receive and he went on to explain to me that he was friends with a young lady when he was younger like in his 20s her name was mary gardner and she was a friend to my father they were never romantic or intimately involved with each other or anything like that they were just friends and uh, he had bought a new car for himself, a brand new Ford Fairlane. And uh, he was driving around at night in his new car. And when he drove by this one bus stop, you know, it was late at night. And it may have even been raining outside. Um, but it was late at night. He, he saw this friend of his, Mary Gardner, standing at a bus stop waiting for a bus to take her home. So my dad pulled up and he asked her to get in the car if she wanted a ride home, and she did. And my dad took her home and uh, dropped her off, you know, no big deal. But unbeknownst to my father, um, Mary Gardner had a friend in her high school class. And the next day, you know, because my father had been so kind to her... She suggested to her friend at school that she might be interested in this guy, okay? Because, you know, Mary Gardner was just friends with my dad. They were just friends. They weren't romantic or anything. So this Mary Gardner lady set my father up on a date with this friend of hers, and that was my mother. So the message from my father... Okay, the moral of the story, I guess, was that from that small act of kindness, this is what my father said to me now, okay, from that small act of kindness, giving that girl a ride home, that one night, that one split-second decision where he could have just drove past her, right, or he could choose to stop and see if she needed help or if she needed a ride home, that from that one small act of kindness, came the life that my father would go on to lead and it was a happy life you know that was part of the message was that from that one act of kindness he got a marriage you know he got uh, a happy family grandchildren great grandchildren you know Uh, a happy life and I don't know. It's, uh, it moves me, especially explaining it to you, my happy innovators right now. Um, it is by giving that we receive, you know, I guess it's kind of like, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Right. Um, So there's a lot of things I could say about my father right now. There's a lot of things that I think are important to talk about with this man who was the kindest person I've ever known. And I know that everybody says that about their dad, you know, their father. Because there's a difference between being a father and a dad. It's not the same thing. You know, a father is like, you know, the person that you're born from but a dad is really the person who is interacting with you throughout your life you know at least in my opinion and there's so much i could say about this guy you know but i won't right now i'm going to i'm going to save that for another podcast maybe a couple months down the road or something after i've thought about everything and kind of grieved and you know, absorbed all the information and all of the things that just happened, all the things that I went through in the past couple of weeks. And uh, so that's that. I lost my father. Uh, really the greatest man, the kindest man I've ever known. And uh, I'm just sad that I know right now for the first time in my life that uh, I'm never going to get a chance to talk to him again. And that's that. So, anyway, we're all getting ready for Turkey Day here in the United States of America. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving Day in America, it's a big day. Actually, it's just kind of sinking in right now that really... This is going to be my first Thanksgiving without my dad around, unfortunately. But, um, you know, like I was saying, everybody around here, everybody here in the United States is getting ready for this holiday. A holiday that's really centered around family and that kind of thing, you know. Um, A lot of good food, reconnecting with family and friends. Kind of getting ready for Christmas, you know, getting into the spirit of the season. Um, Of course, you know, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, when people, you know, go shopping, you know, famously. You got to get that heavy dose of consumerism, you know, stuck in there for the holidays in America. You know, Um, what would a holiday be without spending, you know, a shit ton of money on stuff? And, uh, that's okay. You know, it's all in good fun. And, uh, you know, I was asked by a lot of my family back in Cleveland, like, what am I going to do for Thanksgiving? It's like a pretty typical question for me, you know, because I don't do anything with them. You know, I'm usually at home, you know, and they're far away. So they ask and I, you know, I have to say to them, (laughs) Like, you know, we're not really going to have turkey because, you know, here in the United States, turkey uh, is the traditional meal that is cooked on Thanksgiving. It goes way back to God knows when, you know, uh, you know, the American Thanksgiving table has a turkey on it with usually mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and traditionally like cranberry sauce and. Um, And, uh, you know, my wife and I don't really do that anymore. You know, we don't do the turkey thing anymore. Um, Which is kind of a funny story because, you know, I I can't eat turkey anymore. The thought of eating turkey makes me want to Ralph. You know, it makes me want to just puke. Um, Why is that, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. It's a pretty funny story. Um, A few years back, you know... Back in the day when my wife and I used to get, you know, for the two of us, we would get like a a medium sized turkey and we would shoot the works, you know, gravy, mashed potatoes, all the stuff I've mentioned, right? Cranberry sauce, uh, you know, all the fixings for a normal, traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Um, But, you know, typically after Thanksgiving is over, there's a lot of leftover turkey and that's become part of the American tradition as well you know like what to do with your leftover turkey (laughs) so a few years back I had the idea that what I wanted to do was try to make uh, turkey enchiladas (laughs) okay thinking to myself like okay you know turkey is white meat chicken is white meat you know how different can it be how bad could it be right oh my gosh my happy innovators it was so awful okay the the taste of a turkey enchilada is so gross and so bad okay that after having eaten just part of one turkey enchilada Okay, uh, I can't eat turkey anymore. I mean, the the thought of eating turkey turns my stomach. Even right now, just talking about it, it is so gross. And it was actually pretty funny <laughs> in hindsight, you know, because it's like you know, I I tried, right? It was an experiment. I didn't know for sure how it would turn out. And you know, sometimes when you do an experiment. It doesn't go so well, you know, and this was definitely one of those situations. And uh, both me and my wife, I mean, we just we can't even think about eating turkey without getting sick to our stomach. And if you were to put turkey like in front of me right now, like under my nose, I would probably throw up. I would hurl, you know. So, um, yeah, I thought I would share that little anecdote with you today. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, The moral of that story, I guess, is don't make turkey enchiladas. Um, It ruined turkey for both me and my wife, probably for the rest of our lives. Hopefully not. Hopefully we'll have that moment where we come around again to eating turkey, but I don't see it in the future. Um, So, you know, normally what we do now is just kind of like, what is our favorite thing to eat right now? That's what we'll have for Thanksgiving dinner. And that changes every year, you know, probably changes every couple of months. Really, you know, what's your favorite thing to eat? I guess if you're listening to this podcast, wherever you are and you feel so inclined, maybe you could share in the comments what your favorite thing to eat is right now, today, right now, even though it might change, even though in the past it was different. What's your favorite thing to eat right now? And let me think here. What would be my favorite thing to eat right now? I think that I would have to say that at this very moment, my favorite thing to eat right now would be pizza. You know, American style pizza with uh, pepperoni and sausage, but not the sausage that's sliced. I want the crumbled sausage. I think like that better. Um Oh, man, just thinking about that right now makes my mouth water, you know. I mean, don't you just love pizza? I can't be alone in this, right? I mean, it's like, it's such an amazing symphony of flavors, you know, a nice hot slice of pizza, you know, with the sauce and the cheese and the crust and all that. Do you know what I mean? You you have to know what I mean, especially now, like right now, this time of year. I mean, this is football season. You know, there's pizza all the time, you know. At this time of year in America, I mean, people are just eating a lot of pizza. I'm sure, and uh, I'm no exception. I, I love a nice hot slice of pizza, maybe a couple slices, and a nice cold drink. You know, you give me that, that does me just fine. I'm I'm set for a while, and I tell you what, talking about it right now, it makes my mouth water. Just thinking about it, ugh, what I would give for a slice of hot pizza right now. I'm gonna have to order myself some soon. Oh, food. Oh, the holidays. Oh, all the things that come along with it, you know? Mm. I gotta say, it's, uh, well, it's the first Thanksgiving where things have changed for me. Things are different now. And, uh, that's a little bit difficult to accept, but you know, what can we do? We have to move on, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the people who lost all that money in the FTX scandal or whatever it was, I think it was FTX, the guys who did the Bitcoin thing and they stole all that money from all those people, you know? It's like, you just have to accept the fact that you were part of a Ponzi scheme and that you lost your ass on, you know, the greed of some other person or the mistake that somebody else made with your money. And, uh, oh, it's such a big deal right now in the news and everybody's talking about it, you know? And, uh, you know, I see something like that come across my radar and I have a few thoughts about it really at this point. Um... I'm 51 years old, so I've seen this kind of Ponzi scheme bullshit, you know, a few times in my life, and uh, particularly maybe a little bit more over the past maybe 10 or 20 years. Um, You know, we had the whole Enron thing, and then the housing bubble back in 2008, and oh, you know, there's just no shortage of people that are, you know financial predators looking for an opportunity to make a buck you know and um, so like that's the first thought that I have when I hear that something like that happened I mean I knew it I knew as soon as I heard people talking about like cryptocurrency bitcoin all that kind of stuff and oh you need to invest and oh it's such a great opportunity it's like I just ignored it You know? And that may sound like, you know, I'm a dinosaur, right? Like, what do I know about the future and technology and all that stuff? I think it's bullshit. As soon as I saw that kind of thing, I'm like, that is a total scam. It's a scam. It's another Ponzi scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. You know? Yeah, in the short term, it may look legit. In the short term, it may serve to benefit some people, you know? But... It's just a matter of time. You know, I have this theory about money. I suppose that's what I should be talking about really right now. You know, this idea with money, that money makes people act really strange. Okay, money makes people do really weird shit. Okay, and that's why we keep seeing these Ponzi schemes where people are investing like their life savings, in some cases, um, and you know it, it's a scam. Like they're gonna, they're going to lose everything, but there's that hope, you know, that they're going to make more money. They're going to turn their investment into more money, and and from my experience, unless you play conservatively, like you gamble conservatively with your money. Uh, You're going to lose. I mean, you're going to lose. The house always wins. Remember? That's lesson number one in Las Vegas. The house doesn't lose. In the end, the house wins. So I see this FTX guy popping up on TV. I forget his... What is his name? Bankman Freed? Bankman Bankman Fried? It's kind of like Bernie Madoff, you know? Think about it. I mean... (laughs) If you're a child of the 70s, <laughs> you're pro- probably familiar with the idea like in porn films, you know, or like with Playboy, you know, centerfolds, they would change their name, you know, to something ridiculous like Christie Canyons <laughs> or Peter North. You know, it was kind of like a what, like a contest to see who could come up with the funniest name? You know, Dirk Diggler, you know? Um, Porno names, right? Well, think about it. With all of these Ponzi schemes now, okay, the person that they push, like, front and center is like some ridiculous character, okay? Like Bernie Madoff and uh, you know, Bankman fried, you know, (laughs) if you can't see through that, my happy innovators, ah, I can't help you, you know, um, it's pretty obvious to me that it was a scam from the beginning. And if you got wrapped up in it, really, you really believed it, you really wanted to get rich quick and you wanted to make lots and lots of money, and that's where your focus was, you're gonna get burned, it's gonna happen. And it did. And you know what, I'm not glad it did. I'm not celebrating this idea that these people lost everything. I mean, that is an absolute disaster. I mean, that's not a game. You know, when you mess with people's lives that way, when you take away their ability to survive, Oh my gosh, or like their hopes for the future, future survival, you know, the sacrifices they made in their younger days so that when they're older and they can't work and they can't do anything for themselves, they'll be taken care of. You remove that security from their lives, from them, their futures, right? Think about that. That's a pretty serious thing. That's a death sentence for a lot of people you know, when they lose all their money like that. And, uh, Hmm. It's not anything to be happy about. That's for sure. It's not anything to be celebrating, but, uh, in a way it's kind of like, you know, what did you expect? Haven't you learned by now? Like my father-in-law always used to say to me and to my wife, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. You know, it's, It's never, when when somebody's offering you the world, you know, or something amazing for free, you know, it's usually too good to be true. You know, you need to be skeptical. And, uh, oh, I, I don't know. I guess my thoughts and prayers go out to those people who, you know, just lost their ass through the FTX Bitcoin cryptocurrency scandal, you know? Oh, well. I was much more satisfied with the GameStop thing. Do you remember that a couple of years ago when uh, all those like small-time investors started to flood GameStop? You know, they started to buy it up in order to inflate the price or whatever for the stock and they they wound up basically doing what all the big heavy hitters on wall street were doing to everybody else for ages you know whether it was moral or illegal or whatever they didn't care they did it and it's so funny you know when they have it done to them you know i mean so typical with the human condition and human behavior that when somebody is doling out punishment or suffering to other people, Oh God forbid they get a taste of their own medicine, you know? And it's just a crime and an outrage when someone does it to them, you know? Oh, it makes me just laugh. I laugh when I see it, you know, when somebody's like a bully or somebody's doing the wrong thing to people and somebody winds up doing the same thing to them and oh the outrage you know it's uh, criminal what they're doing you know this isn't right there should be rules against this it's like yeah there are rules against it rules that you and all your cronies have been breaking forever you know and not giving a shit what happens to the small like little people that are investing and trying to get by and trying to make it you know, trying to turn their future into something that's a little more comfortable for them, you know, and uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's just so funny. That's been my experience that, you know, when people get a taste of their own medicine, ah, they hate it, you know, it's, it's one thing to be a bully and to have things go a certain way or whatever, but, you know, God forbid it happened to them. Has that been your experience, too? Probably. I would imagine that uh, I'm not alone in that thinking. I think it's absolutely hilarious and absolutely ridiculous, too, at the same time. You know, another thing about this FTX thing and these scandals, you know, um, actually, my wife asked the question a couple nights ago, and I've been thinking about it, really, because it was a good question. She was like, why is it that with all these scandals, you know, like with FTX or Enron or the housing bubble or all those things that they've done over the years, why is it that even though these people are being watched by the SEC, like the, the Security Exchange Commission, you know, they have eyes on their operation and like what they're doing to make sure that nothing they're doing is against the law why is it that it's only after the financial catastrophe that these people start getting in trouble for what they did? Why weren't they able to see it coming and stop it before it happened? You know, why weren't weren't the um, agencies that are put in place to monitor these guys and to make sure that they're on the up and up, why is it that They, you know, these companies can get away with this kind of stuff. And it isn't only until after, you know, the catastrophe has taken place, like the money is gone, that they, you know, these guys start getting in trouble for it. Why isn't there anything that happens before that catastrophe happens? Now, think about that. That's actually a pretty good question. And one that people tend, okay, to overlook. You know, like those big questions that are just so obvious and and they're not obvious until somebody asks them and then they become obvious, you know, I think about that, you know, why is it that these criminals, these corporate criminals are able to follow through, you know, and commit the crime and all is lost, you know? Why aren't they stopped before it happens? Because people are watching what they're doing, you know? You got to ask yourself that question. It's kind of like this, you know? um, I talked a few months ago about a a topic called Antiquitech, you know, this idea that um, the Earth at one time might have had some kind of cataclysm, right, that, you know, maybe destroyed a lot of the surface of the earth and uh, the people that were on it or whatever, uh, the structures that were on it. And you know, how would we know? We weren't around 2000 years ago or whatever, you know? Think about that really. The only thing you can be sure of is, you know, your own lifespan, really. I mean, you can be told something happened in the past, but it's still, you know, a story you're being told. Right. You don't know for sure, but you do know your life for sure. You know. But anyway, (laughs) my point was, you know, for years and years and years, like since I was a kid, you know, I would learn like in in school and in books and movies and things, you know, that like, you know, every once in a while. Right. You'd hear on the news or something that they discovered like a roman bathhouse you know after they had to dig you know 20 feet down you know they were digging a sewer and they stumbled across this you know roman ruins you know or this these ancient ruins that were under the dirt but no one ever really asked the question myself included even back in the day you know like why is everything buried Like, let's stop for a moment and just ask ourselves that question. Can you answer that question for me? Can you? You know, why is it that whenever they discover ancient ruins of something, they're buried under like 20 feet of dirt? Like what happened? Like, do you know what I mean? Doesn't it seem like an obvious question to be asked? What does it mean when something is buried 20 feet underground? What happened? Like, was there some kind of cataclysmic event that covered large portions of the earth with like 20 feet of dirt? Or was there like what they call like soil liquefaction, I think they call it, where the soil underneath something gets so saturated with water that whatever's on top of it sinks down into the dirt, you know, but dollars to donuts, it's, it's not, you know, soil liquefaction we're talking about here. Just ask yourself the question. Think about it. Can you come up with a reasonable answer like wind and erosion or something? No, no. Because wind and erosion wouldn't bury something, you know, under 20 feet of mud, 20 feet of dirt. So what are we talking about here? What actually happened? You know, and it's not just an isolated incident where they find something, you know, in one part of the world, they find this stuff all over the world, buried underneath like 20 or 30 feet of dirt. How did everything get buried? That's the million dollar question for today, my happy innovators. If you can answer, I would be glad to hear. But I don't think you'll be able to come up with an answer that's reasonable. And also you got to ask yourself, why haven't we asked that question before? You know, we're just told stuff, right? You ever think about that? We're just told things, things that happened in the past. We're told about things that can happen in the future. We're told about things that are happening right now in the present, you know, and, uh, you know, I've talked about this before, but I guess I'm going to talk about it again. You know, this idea of being able to verify, you know, um, you can't verify anything now, even if you go back into like history on the internet, nine times out of 10, what you're getting you know, what's, what information you're being given on the internet is altered, you know, inaccurate or just outright false, you know, falsehoods. You know, uh, I've heard a lot of YouTubers and, you know, folks on social media kind of like talking about that idea that, you know, Google isn't really what you think it is. And, you know, when you type in a uh, something you want to search, It'll say there's four billion results, you know, for this topic. And then you go to the second page and it'll say there's only three thousand. Then you go to the third page and there's only like ten. You know, it's like this fake kind of uh, like a facade of depth to Google that's not real anymore. You know, it's fake. Try it yourself sometime. Type in a topic and see how far back you can go before you have to stop. You know, it's pretty strange, but it doesn't surprise me. You know, it's like the sign of the times, you know? We had just had an election here in the United States and uh, oh, you know, here we go again, you know? Um, Everybody's lying, (laughs) you know? Everybody's cheating. There's no way to verify anything. And it just boils down to, you know, claims. People making claims of things happening. I lost an election, I won an election. The election was fixed, it was rigged, it was fair. Everything was on the up and up. You know, it's like, you know, how can you know? How could I know? You know, sitting in a cabin in Massachusetts, how could I ever know what's really going on out there? You know? and what I'm being presented. You know, think about it, folks. We really need to start thinking for ourselves, right? And just kind of, you know what? Living in the moment. Forget about the past. Forget about the future and think about right now. Where are you right now? Where am I right now? How are we doing right now? You know, is there anything we need? Of course, there's always things that we want. We always want Something, But is there anything that we really, really need right now? Maybe that's what we should be focused on. I don't know. You know, back in January, we lost my father-in-law. My wife's father passed away. And uh, a few years prior to that, her mother had passed away. So my wife and I were tasked with this idea of, like, Handling his estate and, you know, dealing with all of his stuff and, you know, what are we going to do with all of his stuff? And, you know, my wife is an only child, so she doesn't have any brothers or sisters to split things up with or whatever. So the long and the short of it really was this idea that my wife and I were really deciding, you know, what we wanted to keep and what we wanted to get rid of. You know, and we were out in Las Vegas, Nevada, figuring this out, you know, so that we could fly back to the East Coast, like literally on the other side of the continent, you know. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because it goes along the same lines as this what do we really need, what do we really want Uh, thought, right? Um, And, you know, since that time, and even more so now that we've lost my father, and you know, I know that we're going to have to deal with my father's stuff, you know, all the stuff that he's accumulated. Um, you know, it, it just got us thinking, you know, for the past year, you know, about what do we really need, and you know, all the stuff that we have, me. My wife, you guys that are listening to this podcast right now, I mean, think about it. All the stuff that we accumulate, all the things that we have, that we enjoy, that we treasure, you know, things that are really important to us, you know, um, we can't take any of it with us when we leave here, you know, what a thought, you know, we enter the world uh, naked with nothing. And then we exit the world with nothing. You know, we can't take any of this stuff with us. Think about that. There's like the door in to life and the door out of life. And you go in the first door with nothing and you leave the next door with nothing. Everything that you thought was important, everything you thought was meaningful, or brought back memories or reminded you of someone or a time or things that you worked hard for. And, uh, you know, you invested all of your energy, your time, and maybe even your money into, we don't take any of it with us, you know? And, you know, like I said, for the, maybe the past year, you know, my wife and I have really been kind of having that discussion, like analyzing all the stuff that we have in our house, like in our lives, you know, um, even something like as big as like my music and the ownership of my music, like when I'm not around anymore, you know, who's going to own pipe choir. You know, all the songs I made, all the rights to all the music and the things and the, you know, who, who's going to take it? You know, who gets it in the end? It's not going to be me. I'm not going to be here anymore, you know, but somebody somewhere, maybe a relative, maybe somebody I don't even know yet, you know, is going to get that stuff. All of it. I mean, all of it. I'm looking around my studio right now. You know, drums, guitars, bass, uh, what else? Computers, uh, posters, paintings that I've done, uh, all kinds of stuff, really. Who gets it? Who's going to get it? And how much of it do I really need? You know? Um, I suppose it's a question that a lot of us ask ourselves, you know, over the course of time, I would imagine. It's realistic to think that, you know, that most of us look around in in our lives and think about what we really want and what we really need, you know. And then, of course, you've got those people that are like hoarders, you know, Um, it's a phenomenon I don't quite understand, but, uh, you know, I guess I do accumulate a lot of junk. A lot of stuff that I don't really need, you know? Huh. What a thought, though, isn't it? To to live out a human existence and to you know take a look around you, right where you're sitting right now, listening to this podcast. You know, do you even really need uh, the chair you're sitting in? You know, do you really need the computer that you're listening to this podcast on? or the phone or whatever, you know? How much of what we take into our lives is stuff that we really don't need? And we maybe in some cases would be better off if we didn't have them at all, you know? Think about it. That's a pretty heavy thought. and You know, one that's probably good to, you know, wrap this podcast up with for the day. You know, especially going into Thanksgiving, you know, American Thanksgiving Day. Um, Yeah, I mean, I am thankful for a lot of what I have, but I'm not quite sure how much of it I really need. To be honest. Hmm. I guess I'm going to have to go into the holiday. Oh, for the first time without my father-in-law and without my father, my dad, and uh, contemplating how much of this stuff do I really need and how much of it do I really just want, you know? Would I be better off with less? Would I be happier? Uh, It would certainly probably be easier for the people around me, you know, if I were to die suddenly or I weren't to be around anymore, for whatever reason, like it would be easier for my family and the people who care about me to have as little stuff to deal with as possible. So, I mean, as weird as that sounds, it's, you know, it really got me thinking, like especially since uh, my father passed away a couple of weeks ago, you know, walking around in his house without him there. Um, and of course, you know, my mother is very sick. So she's not at home anymore. She's somewhere else now. So the the house is empty. You know? And uh, we've got some relatives keeping an eye on the place and living there on and off or whatever. But oh, uh, I'll tell you what. My parents have a lot of stuff. And a lot of it's really not necessary. You know? And walking through that house especially now really in a lot of ways it's kind of sad you know maybe some of you listening to this right now know exactly what I'm talking about you know I grew up in that house so when I walk through this house looking at all my dad's stuff you know it's like a it's like a museum of memories you know all these things from the past, all these things that I had forgotten about, these little things, you know, the knick that's on the shelf or the, the, the book that's on the table or you know, the plant in the corner, you know, all those things. It's like, hmm. it's a strange thing, you know, the passing of time in our lives is such a strange thing and I don't know I guess maybe it's something that you know I wish that we were all a little bit more prepared for you know like somebody should be warning us when we're young right (laughs) of all the things we're gonna need to know you know uh for instance you know that idea of what uh you know get ready folks you know when you're a young kid you don't think about this stuff but when you get past the age of 40 you know you're gonna need reading glasses <laughs> you know and it sucks you know it really really sucks and that's the kind of thing I wish that somebody would have told me about years and years ago <laughs> you know the passing of time man it is so strange So strange. I I find myself sitting here thinking about this idea that my father, you know, is not going to talk to me anymore. Like I may never talk to him again. And I've been talking to him as long as I can remember. You know, Um, it's a sad thought it's it's one of the saddest things about losing somebody you care about you know and and it's almost worse i guess maybe um like having known somebody for a really long time and losing them as opposed to having known them for just a short time and losing them you know there's there's so much more to miss you know and it seems to me anyway like Every day that passes by, I remember something else that's never gonna happen again. You know what I mean? It's like it's worrisome a little bit to me. You know, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. It's one of those things that I can kind of like pull out of eventually. You know, like I realize that that you know, hovering in this state of sadness and mourning. You know, this man whom I loved more than any other person in my life ever, and I loved him longer than anybody ever, you know, is all of a sudden, boop, he's gone. Gone. That's it. Show over. That's it. No more talking. No more laughing. No more hearing him tell a story. No more cracking jokes about the Cleveland Browns being awful. You know, no more talking about anything like that anymore. Because he's gone. So, <sighs> I hope this feeling I have doesn't last forever. You know, I hope not. You know, I wanted to mention to you, my happy innovators, really quick today, in, in amidst all the stuff I'm talking about today. Um, you know, just recently, and, and, and lately I can say, I've been getting a lot of questions from people about stuff that I've made, the songs I've made, the lyrics or the videos or the things that I've done. What does it mean? Or whatever, how long did it take to do it? You know, all kinds of questions. And, you know, I get the impression from the people who are asking that they're like apprehensive to ask me questions. Like um, like I might not want to answer or I might have a problem with them asking. So I figured it would be a good idea in this podcast right now. I'm going to tell you all, one and all, that it's okay if you have questions for me, ever. So if any of you happy innovators that are listening to this podcast right now ever have any questions for me about anything at all, you should feel free to send me an email at pipechoir at gmail.com that's p-i-p-e-c-h-o-i-r at gmail.com and you can ask me any questions you want and I promise you no matter what question you ask or whatever I will answer it okay so again if any of you listening to this podcast right now ever ever have any questions for me Mike Bostwick from Pipewire Records, PC3, PC1, you know, all the stuff I do, the Singularity podcast, any questions you have, okay, anything about anything I do, you can just send your questions to P-I-P-E-C-H-O-I-R at gmail.com, and I promise you I will answer, okay, I will respond to you, uh, just saying. Anyway, my happy innovators, I think I'm going to call it a day. I think I've depressed everybody enough. You know, I'm sorry if I did. You know, the, the point is really with these podcasts is to try to give you something to listen to and to maybe bring you up a little bit in your day. So I'm sorry if uh, I didn't achieve that today. I'm sure you'll forgive me. I mean, you know, come on. Give me a break, right? But with that, my happy innovators, One and all, uh, thank you for listening to all of my rants, you know, all of my ranting. And uh, remember, folks, it is by giving that we receive. And in other words, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy, everybody. Everybody. Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the podcast to hear some music. So today, what I'm going to share with you is a song from the Pipe Choir album, The Wrench and the Rubicon, that I released, oh, probably about a year and a half or two years ago now. Um, I'm going to share with you a song called Anatoly. And, you know, the reason that I want to share this song with you today is really simple. It's a song that I like a lot, and I've been listening to a lot of my own, you know? So uh, without further ado, here we go. This is Pipe Choir Anatoly from the Wrench and the Rubicon album, and uh, eh, it's just a song that's one of my favorites. So check it out. Here we go.